let's spend some time in prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, good morning, Father. Good morning, Jesus, big brother. Good morning, Holy Spirit. We pray that our gathering together would help you to have a good day. Today, we're here to say thank you and to tell you we love you because you first loved us. Hallowed be your name in this service, in our work and family and recreation this week. May we exalt your name, lift the name of Jesus above all names. We pray your kingdom would come, that King Jesus, this week you would help us to follow after you and show people what it looks like to be a part of your kingdom. Help us to share the gospel of the kingdom this week. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us that we would delight to do your will and that people could see the beautiful life in us as we do your will on earth as it is in heaven. We pray, give us this day our daily bread. Supply our financial needs as families and as a church we are dependent upon you all of our physical needs we need you we bring our relational needs to you and say forgive us our debts oh father forgive us those thoughts and words and deeds and things left undone forgive us our debts as we forgive those who've wronged us help us to forgive us we've been forgiven Father, it's so hard. Help us to be a forgiven, forgiving people. Deliver us. Deliver us. Keep us from temptation. Deliver us from evil, the evil within us. Deliver us from the flesh and the evil around us. Deliver us from the world always trying to squeeze us into its mold. And deliver us from the evil one. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are continuing our series, Marvel at Jesus. A few weeks ago, I had not seen any Marvel movies. Now I've seen 12. <laughs> the word Marvel is a good word. We learned last week the word Marvel means to be, uh, the word means to, uh, to be filled with wonder or astonishment. Uh, imagine what our lives would be like if we were filled with wonder and amazement over who Jesus is. And isn't that really why we gather together, isn't it? Don't we gather together so that we can be filled with wonder and amazement anew over who Jesus is? So this series we're in, if, if you were here last week, um, we looked at <clears throat> power up, how we've been given the gospel and how important it is that we power up. And next week, we're going to look at the power to transform, how the gospel gives us power to transform, and then we're going to look at the power of team. But today, today we're going to look at the power to defeat villains, the power to defeat villains, and the point of the message today is that Jesus' power defeats the villains. Jesus' power defeats the villains, and Maybe some of you say, well, why are we doing this series on, on superheroes? Why a series on movies? Because we believe that movies provide us a good way to connect with our culture. 
that they provide us opportunities to share the gospel with other people. Let me illustrate. The Apostle Paul at one time went into Athens. And when he went into Athens, Athens was a pagan culture. And Paul began to look for a way to connect with people in Athens. And so he, he read their poets, and, and, he, and he looked at their altars, he looked at their temples, and when Paul began to preach, he quoted some of their poets. He had a place to connect with the culture. And he said, I noticed that you're a very religious people. You have all of these different, all of these different temples. I even saw a temple to an unknown God. So I'm here to let you know who the unknown God is, who is the one true God. And so we might see one of these movies with a friend, an unreached friend, or we might find ourselves talking with them. And so the movies provide us a place to connect, a place where we can say, ever wonder why people like these superhero stories? Ever wonder why? Because they all tell the story of the Bible. They're all about a villain. They all have a villain who wants to destroy the earth and people are powerless and up steps a superhero who saves the world. The reason we like that is it's the story of the Bible. Do you know the story of the Bible? And so this morning as we look at the idea of defeating villains, we're going to look at some clips from uh, the Black Panther movie. <clears throat> You're telling me that the king of a third world country runs around in a bulletproof cat suit? And why don't you ask him yourself? Because he's right outside. <laughs> Bingo. My king. Stop it. The Black Panther lives. He's coming. That's damn calm. Watch me do my I hope you're ready, bro. Because I'm just getting started. Let's have some fun. Now, I must confess to you that before a month ago, I was more familiar with the Pink Panther <laughs> than I was with the Black Panther, Inspector Clouseau. But having watched a couple of Black Panther movies, I'm a little more familiar now. And so we have King T'Challa, who returns to his native country of Wakanda, a very secluded but technologically advanced country. And when he returns, he faces many foes, foes that are within Wakanda and, and foes outside of Wakanda. And what's at stake? What's at stake was the future of Wakanda and the world. And so the Black Panther, what he does is he, he rallies his allies and he unleashes his Black Panther power to both save Wakanda and the world. And sounds familiar, doesn't it? 
I mean, isn't that the story that we have a villain and, and Jesus steps up to save the world? Isn't, isn't that true? And so that's what we're going to look at today, that, that Jesus' power defeats the villains. Jesus' power defeats the villains. Now, when we read the, the Bible, we see that we have villains inside us, around us, and above us, don't we? The villains inside, the, the, the Bible teaches we fight against the flesh, our sinful human nature, and that Jesus' power defeats the villain of our flesh. And, and then we fight uh, against the world around us, right? Not planet Earth, but human society that lives in rebellion against God, and it's a fight, isn't it? And Jesus' power defeats the villain of the world squeezing into its mold. And then, and then above, above us, there's a fight going on, right? Uh, we, we fight against the Satan and his demons, and Jesus' power defeats Satan and his demons. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Colossians chapter 2, and I want you to know the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul fought villains, and here's often what happened. Often the Apostle Paul would plant a church in a city like Colossae, and then he would leave. And after he left, false teachers would sneak in, and they would begin to distort the gospel. And the Apostle Paul would come out swinging, and Paul would fight with Jesus' power. Paul would fight with gospel power. And we've been learning that the Bible is God's Word, and it's good to get in God's Word, but it's even better to, to sit under God's Word. And so today, we're going to sit under God's Word and let God teach us. Colossians 2, verse 6, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Paul is saying, you began with Jesus, you make progress with Jesus. You began with the power of the gospel, you make progress with the power of the gospel. Keep walking just like you started. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty, and, and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of, of the world rather than according to Christ. And he says, never forget Jesus. Never let fancy talkers take you away from the power of the gospel. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. If we want to defeat the villains, there are two questions really important for us to understand, and the first is, who is Jesus? That is the most important question in life and all of history is, who is Jesus? And this verse teaches us, right? He's who? He's the God-man. Who is Jesus? He's fully God and fully man in one person, right? Talk about marvel. Shouldn't we just stop there and marvel at Jesus? How in one person he's fully God and fully man in one person? That's an important question. The second question is, what does it mean? What does it mean when it says we are complete in Jesus? What does that mean? 
So I want to teach you today the true gospel. It's really simple. And I want to teach it to you because if you understand the true gospel, you will be able to defeat villains, okay? So here's the simple gospel, the true gospel. It's really, really simple. It goes like this. We lost it all. Say that with me, okay? We lost it all. That's pretty good. One more time. We lost it all. And so throughout the message, I'm going to come back to this and say, we lost, and you're going to finish it, right? Practice a little bit. We lost. You guys are so much better than the 9 o'clock service. Way to go. All right, so the first part is we lost it all. The second part is Jesus did it all. Let's practice that, okay? Jesus did it all. That's pretty good. One more time. Jesus very good. Now, the third one is a little longer, but it's really important, and, and it goes like this. We get it all when we get Jesus. You're pretty smart. You can probably handle something that long, okay? Let's do it together. We get it all when we get Jesus. All right, so when I say we get it all, okay, you need a little bit more help. Okay, so we get it all, and if you get that, You understand the true gospel, and you are ready to defeat our villains. So one more time before we get going, okay, because the bad news of the gospel is really this, that we lost it. And the good news of the Bible is, or the gospel is really this, that Jesus, now remember that he did it. Very good. And then, and then our part is this, that we, yes, don't forget that. See, that's what happened here. They got it. Someone came in, told them different, and they lost it because they didn't know it. And in him, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in the removal of the, fle in the, removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. In the Old Testament, there was a gospel sign. There was a sign given to all the people who belonged to the believing community, to the covenant community. It was circumcision. Circumcision pointed to Jesus. Circumcision said we had a problem called sin. We needed a Savior, a Savior who would shed His blood and free us from the guilt and power and penalty of sin. It pointed to Jesus. And then Paul does a masterful thing here. He's going to connect the Old Testament and the New Testament together. So first he gives us the Old Testament gospel sign, which is circumcision, and then he ties it into the New Testament gospel sign. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith by the working of God who raised him from the dead. The New Testament gospel sign is baptism. It shows us our need of Christ, that when we're united with Christ, listen, that we died to sin and we've been raised to walk in newness of life. And so Paul ties it all together with the Old Testament gospel sign of circumcision, the New Testament gospel sign of baptism. Now, they're alike and they both point to Jesus, but how are they different? One involves the shedding of blood, and one is bloodless. 
Because in the Old Testament, they were looking forward to the day when Jesus would shed his blood. And so the sign showed that one day someone who was perfect would need to shed their blood for us. In the New Testament, the gospel sign is bloodless. And you do know why, right? Because what? He shed his blood. And what does the Bible say? Once for all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He shed his blood once and for all. There's no longer a need for the forgiveness of sins. Isn't that great how Paul ties together the Old Testament and, and, and the New together with the gospel signs? Now, now listen up. When you were sick, when you were tired, when you were confused, it's not what it says. It, it says when you were, one more time, when you were, Jesus didn't come into the world to help good people get better. Jesus came into a world filled with dead people and he raised them from the dead. Are you a Christian? When was the last time you said thank you? Thank you that when I was dead, you raised me from the dead. Remember what we learned? We learned the bad news is that we lost. We lost it. We were dead. And then we learned what? That Jesus? Because we were dead and he raised us from the dead. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I was dead. You raised me from the dead. Thank you. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he... You see, Jesus did it. Jesus did it. You were dead. He made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. You see, we lost it, and Jesus did it, and we get it when we get And that means... We have been forgiven of all of our transgressions. When was the last time you just said thank you? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Having canceled out the certificate of debt. Have you ever been deep in debt, have you? We were deep in debt with a debt we couldn't pay. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. All the things we've fought and said and done, they were hostile to us. They were all taken away and nailed to the cross. And Jesus did, and Jesus did it all. So he died for our sins, but he didn't stay dead. Listen to this. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. He not only died, he rose on the third day, disarming the rulers and authorities. And who does that include? Certainly it would have included the Jewish religious leaders, wouldn't it? They were rulers and authorities. The, the religious leaders... And they hated Jesus and they wanted to get rid of Jesus and they handed him over to be crucified. And on Friday, everything looked so good because he was dead, dead. 
And then Sunday came, right? And their worst nightmare became a reality, didn't it? And Jesus disarmed false religion and religious leaders because he, ro he rose from the dead. Certainly the rulers and authorities would include the Roman government, wouldn't they? The most powerful civil government, the most powerful armies. So many people today are so in awe of the power of government. The Roman government was the most powerful government on earth. And they nailed Jesus to a cross. And when he was dead, they put a seal on the tomb saying, whoever breaks the seal will incur the wrath of the entire Roman Empire. And they put soldiers outside to keep Jesus in the tomb. <laughs> and guess what happened? What? Jesus walked out. And he disarmed the rulers and authorities. And certainly when Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them having triumphed over them through him. It's talking about Satan and his demons, isn't it? In the study this week, one of the verses we're going to look at before we go to small group, because we all do our lesson before we go, right? The first time the Savior is promised... The first time the Savior is promised is Genesis 3.15. And here's what it says. One day, because it's a little hard to get this out of the verse, but here's what it says. That one day the Savior would be born of a woman. And Jesus was, right? And then it says that the Savior will be dealt a painful blow, a blow to the heel by Satan. But Jesus would deal a fatal blow to Satan. He would crush his head. So Jesus was born of a woman, and when Jesus is on the cross, Satan thinks he's winning, okay? And he bruises Jesus' heel. The cross was painful beyond imagination, but it was not fatal, though painful. And on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead, conquering sin and death and dealing a fatal blow to our enemy, Satan. So I want you to understand what this verse says. Is the devil real, is he? Yes, but what did Jesus do? He what? He defeated him and disarmed him. Did you, did you hear what it says? When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Jesus' resurrection shows how he defeated the greatest villains in our life. There's sin. Jesus died for our sins and rose. Sin defeated. There's death. Don't we fear dying? Jesus died and rose, defeated. And then there's the devil. Jesus died and rose and crushed him, defeated. You see, Jesus' power defeats the villains. Jesus' power defeats the villains. That's, that's what we're learning today. And so I want to teach you the action step for this week. What I want you to do this week is to live victorious to live victorious, to learn to live in gospel power, to learn to live in Jesus' power, because Jesus' power defeats the villains. So, <clears throat> to live victorious begins when we believe the gospel. Of, we believe the gospel because today we learn <clears throat> that the bad news of the gospel is that we, we learned, right? We We, thank you, because if you don't understand, we lost it all. You'll never be amazed that with Jesus we get it all. Listen 
Here it is. When you were dead in your transgressions and sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. You see, we were born sinners and developed our own style. Every one of us has sinned against God, transgressed against God in thought and word and deed over and over again. We were spiritually dead. We were headed to eternal death and we were helpless. We were helpless to save ourselves because the bad news of the gospel is that we lost it. Okay. And I tell you, when you've lost it all, then you really appreciate the good news. And the good news is that Jesus what? Now, one more time, Jesus did it. Oh. Not a little bit. He did it. Oh. Do you believe that? Because if you believe that, it'll change everything in your life. Well, who is this Jesus? Didn't we see that in verse 9? For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. You are so precious to God that when you had lost it all, Jesus gave it up at all, gave it, gave it all up so he could come to flesh, to come to earth and save you. God the Son put on flesh and came to rescue you. He lives that perfect life. Then here is what happens on the cross. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, all of our sins, placed on the sinless one on the cross. Having canceled out the certificate of debt, we had a debt we could not pay. All those things we said, thought, uh, and did, and left undone, consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So Jesus is on the cross, all of our sins placed upon him. He died in our place. <laughs> He really died, but he didn't stay dead. He rose, right? When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. So here's the gospel. If we want to live victorious, we need to understand it and believe the gospel. And the bad news is that we lost it. And the good news is that Jesus... Oh, and, and here's our part. Here's our part, that we get it. When? Do you believe that? You might say, well, how do we get Jesus? Look at verse 6. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. Have you? Well, I'm not sure. If you're not sure, you haven't received him. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, I ask people a lot, have you received Christ Jesus as Lord? And people say, I'm not sure. So I usually follow that up with, are you married? You know what no one tells me? Thank you. I'm not sure. No one says that. They say what? Yes. They might say I'm sorry or no. But no one says I'm not sure. So then I say, well, what makes you married? And they say what? There was a day. Right? Where we exchanged vows. Exactly. So there is a day, a day that changes all days. And we don't all remember that day, but we do remember receiving Christ. Have you? Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. How do we do that? 
Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. You see, here's what the verse teaches, that we... Okay, thank you. That, well, let's, the, the, our part is this, that we get it when we get... You see, when Jesus knocks on our heart and he moves into us because we receive him, we get what? We get it all. Everything we always wanted, we get forgiveness for our sins, the chance to do life with and for Jesus, the chance to do eternity with and for Jesus. So here's the question. Have you received Christ as your Savior and Lord? If you haven't, won't you? I mean, there was a day in my life where I received Jesus as my Savior. There was a day that I became aware that I had lost it and that Jesus had done it and that I could have it all if I would receive Jesus. And so I said, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose and I want you to be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. And he did. And if you haven't, won't you? That day changed my life too because I received Jesus as my Lord. I said, Jesus, I surrender today. I'm turning over control of my life to you, and from this day forward, I want to follow you. Have you done that? And if you haven't, won't you? And if you have, I want you to hear what Jesus says. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. And listen, when Jesus moves in, we get everything because we get Jesus. I mean, don't you think it should be a game changer in your life when Jesus moves in? Don't you think so? And when Jesus moves in, he says, listen, everything's different now. Everything's different now because I'm Lord now and not, you're not. You, you invited me in to be Lord of my life, so from now on, from now on, I lead and you follow. You got that? Do we forget that sometimes, don't we? But Jesus says, listen, everything changes now because I'm Lord and now I lead and you follow. Got that? Yes. You see, to live victorious, we need to believe the gospel. The gospel, the bad news that we lost it, and, and then the good news that Jesus... And then, and then our part is we get it when? Yes, you're starting to get it. And so first we believe the gospel, and that's a huge day in our life. A little earlier I showed you the um, uh, disciple-making adventure map, and, and we're going to go back there because we all start as lost people. We're lost, and then we meet Jesus, and when we receive him as Savior and Lord, we're no longer lost. Now we're a believer, and when Jesus is Lord of our life, he says, follow me. Follow me. Everything begins to change because now we're not leading our own life. He's leading. Well, if we're going to follow him, <laughs> we need to what? We need to know him. And so this year, we've been trying to encourage you to spend time with Jesus. That's why we gather and worship. How can we follow someone we don't know? And, and, and to encourage you to get involved in a small group so we can spend time with him. And, and we provide the study and are encouraging you to spend time with Jesus so you can follow him. Now, that's what it's talking about here in verses 6 and 7. 
Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so Jesus has moved in, now we want to know him so we can follow him. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him, developing the practice of worship, developing the practice of small group, developing the practice of spending time because we want to know the one we want to follow. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in, in him and established in your faith, slow down, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Every time we discover more about Jesus, we say, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, when we're spending time with Jesus, two questions we want to continually be asking, two questions we want to always be asking is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. He is fully God and fully man in one person. That's something to marvel at. The other question we want to always ask is, what does it mean that we get everything when we get Jesus? What does that mean? What does it mean when the Bible says, and in him you have been made complete? Oh, it means a lot, but it certainly means we get a model. When we know who Jesus is and he calls us to follow him, we realize we have not only a savior but a model. And he says, do you want to know how to live? Well, he says, follow me. He lived the beautiful life for 33 years and he invites us to know him and follow him. He's a model for life. He's a model for ministry. If we want to be disciples, Jesus says to us what? You guys awake? He says what? Follow me. If we want to make disciples, what does he say? He says what? But you have to know him to follow him, don't you? And that's why we spend time with him, so that we can know him and follow him. What does it mean that we get everything when we get Jesus? It means we get a model. And, and back to our, our description of a disciple person, it, it means we get an identity. Isn't that a big deal to know who we are? When we get Jesus, we get an identity. Who am I? I'm a Christian. I'm a disciple. I'm a follower of Jesus. That's who I am. What do I get when I get Jesus? I get a community. Because we all ask the question, what, where do I belong? Christians are always telling me, well, Smiley, I don't feel at home in our culture anymore. And I say, good. You were never supposed to. We're strangers and aliens on earth. Where do I belong? I belong in here. I belong to the body of Christ. I'm a member of his body, and so are you. I belong in his church, not in the world. I'm on a mission in the world, and you are too. We get a place to belong. We get a purpose. Why am I here? If we're a Christian, we're no longer on earth for ourselves, but for others. We're here to make disciples who make disciples until the world is one. We get a purpose. We get a hope. Where am I going? Listen, the best is yet to come. I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus. Oh, as we spend time with Jesus, who is Jesus? He's the fullness of deity in bodily form. And, and, and what does it mean that I get everything in Jesus? It means I'm complete in Him. So I'm going to review the gospel one more time because this is where it all comes from, understanding how simple the gospel is. And so it starts with this, that we lost it, and then Jesus did it, and then we get it when? Now, if you get that, you're so prepared to defeat the villains. 
Because one of the biggest villains we'll encounter is false teaching inside the church and outside the church. And if you understand the true gospel, you'll be able to defeat the villains. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and uh, empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Don't let anyone lead you away from Jesus. Don't. So, when someone comes to you and says, well, I mean, I really believe that Jesus was a man, but I don't believe he was really God. You know what? That's what? That's a false teacher. Or if someone comes to you and they tell you, well, sure, Jesus was God, but he wasn't really a man. He really wasn't like us. You know what? That's a false teacher because you know who Jesus is, right? When someone comes to you and says, I mean, believing in Jesus, that's important and all, but it's not enough. You know what you're dealing with, right? See, what was happening here, Paul planted a church and he taught them the simple gospel, the true gospel. And here's what happened. People came along and they said, believing in Jesus, that's important, but it's not enough. It's believing in Jesus plus being circumcised. It's believing in Jesus plus keeping the Old Testament laws. Don't we have people say, believing in Jesus, that's it. But in addition... No, no, when we know the true gospel, the true gospel that we lost it and that Jesus did it and that we get it when we get, then you're prepared, aren't you? You're prepared to spot the false teachers and to defeat them. In the same way, when we get the gospel, then we're able to defeat the devil and we're able to defeat his demons. Because here's how that works. Um, I sin sometimes. You ever sin? You ever sin? And here's what happens. Satan says, you sin, and you could never be forgiven of that. You ever hear that? And so, because I know the true gospel, here's what I say. Listen, you're right, I sin, but I want you to know that Jesus did it, and that when we get Jesus... And I'm forgiven. My sin has been nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Get behind me, Satan. How do we defeat Satan? We defeat Satan with the power of the gospel. Here's what else happens with amazing regularity too is I look in the mirror and I get scared. And Satan whispers, you're going to die. And... Um, and so I say, you're right, I am. But to live is Christ and to die is gain. Jesus died and Jesus rose. And for me as a Christian, the best is yet to come. So get behind me, Satan, right? You see, it's so important if we're going to live victorious that we believe the gospel. Yes, and that we begin to follow Jesus, to follow Jesus by the power of the gospel. And then, and then to live victorious, it's important for us to learn to fish for men, to fish for men by the power of the gospel. Uh, to fish for, for men by the power of the gospel. We all start off as, as lost people, and, and then we believe and we become a worker, and, and, and I mean, we become a believer, and we begin to follow Jesus. And after a while, 
Jesus calls us to fish for men and, and, and become a worker. And, and, and that's what we see in here. And when we fish for men, the way we fish for men is we fish for men with the power of the gospel. So to help us a little bit with, with fishing, we're going to go back to uh, Wakanda, actually to the UN, and check in with King T'Challa. My name is King T'Challa, son of King T'Chaka. I am the sovereign ruler of the nation of Wakanda. And for the first time in our history, we will be sharing our knowledge and resources with the outside world. Wakanda will no longer watch from the shadows. We cannot. We must not. We will work to be an example of how we as brothers and sisters on this earth should treat each other. Now more than ever, the illusions of the vision threaten our very existence. We all know the truth. More connects us than separates us. But in times of crisis, the wise build bridges, while the foolish build barriers. We must find a way to look after one another as if we were one single tribe. With all due respect, King T'Challa, what can a nation of farmers have to offer the rest of the world? Did you hear what he said? It started with an identity, didn't he? He knew who he was, right? I'm King T'Challa. I'm a gospel man. Are you a gospel man or woman? Do you notice the next thing he said? For the first time in our history, we're not going to keep the resources to ourselves, but we're going to share them with the world. A lot of us, we have the gospel, but we've kept the gospel to ourselves. And for many of us, for the first time in our lives this week, we're going to take the power of God to save out to people who desperately need it. And not only that, did you hear what he said? In order to bless the world with the resources we have, we have to build bridges and not walls. <laughs> Isn't that true of us? That if we want to see people come to faith in Christ, we shouldn't wait for them to come to us, but we need to go to them, don't we? Jesus said to us, what, follow me, didn't he? And I'll make you fishers of men. Many of us, this week, we were reading through John. R remember the story in John 4? That we see Jesus showing us how to build bridges. Remember, he came to a woman. And Jesus crossed a gender barrier. He spoke to a woman in public. Shocking. He spoke to a Samaritan. He crossed a racial barrier. He crossed a religious barrier to speak with her the gospel. She was immoral. He crossed a moral barrier to share with her. And the disciples were shocked. How many barriers will we cross this week to share with others the gospel of Jesus Christ? Oh, one of the best ways that we can enter into gospel conversations is developing the habit of sharing with other people what we learn on Sunday. And so this week, if someone asks you, what would you do this weekend? Why don't you just say, hey, I went to church. And then just follow it up and say, could I share with you what we learned in church? And if they say yes, we've rehearsed it, right? You can do it, right? We, we learned what? That we lost it and that Jesus, and that we get it when? See, you can do it. 
And then they might ask you, well, what does that mean? And then you can share with them, right? You see, the bad news of the gospel is that we... We lost it. And the good news of the gospel is... I'm not going to be there to prompt you, okay, that Jesus... And then our part is that we get it. Yes. And so you say, well, okay, okay, but what if, what if, nobody, what if nobody asked me? What if we take the initiative? You see, to, to be evangelists, we have to take the initiative. Just, just put it out there and see if anyone takes it. What if we're with someone this week? We're playing tennis with someone or golf or we're having lunch or we're just spending time with someone at the office. What if we just said, hey, could I share with you what I learned in church on Sunday? And if they say no, that's okay because you took the initiative, right? But if they say, sure, then go ahead and share what you learned. You can do it, right? One more time, what? We, what? we lost it and Jesus did it and we get it when? Yes, yes, yes. You can do it. And you know why? Because in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you've been made complete. Don't forget this week, you're not alone. Jesus lives in you. And you have everything you need. To, to share Christ with others. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so thankful that when we lost it all, you did it all so that we could get it all in you. Listen, if, if you've never received it all, if you've never understood the gospel and until today you've never received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, won't you, won't you? If you're not sure, won't you make sure today? I mean, Jesus is here, and won't you say, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and, and be my Savior and forgive me of all my sins and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, way to go. Won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to celebrate it with you or, or tell someone because when we tell others, Jesus becomes more real to us. Jesus, I pray those of us who believe the gospel that this week we would begin to follow you with gospel power, that we would know who you are and who we are in Christ. And when we understand that, we'd be able to overcome false teachers and our enemy. And Lord, this week as we go out, may we fish for men with gospel power. Lord, open up opportunities for us to share with others what we have learned today. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.